My conversation today is with author, artist, film director, and alchemist Brian Cotnoir. His latest book, On Alchemy, Essential Practices and Making Art as Alchemy, is a major release, bridging inner spiritual work with the outer creative life. Few alchemical authors are able to achieve the penetrating understanding, clarity, and cohesiveness found in Brian's works, which must certainly be one of the reasons for its near-universal acclaim. In conversation, Brian has an incredible breadth of knowledge and enthusiasm for spirituality, creativity, and history, which made this conversation extremely easy and enjoyable. We sat down to discuss the alchemical tradition, art, his publishing company Kepri Press, his new book, and much more. I'm Ike Baker, and this is the Arcanum Podcast. So I'm interested. You're a multi-talented guy, really. Um, you know, uh, filmmaker, author, alchemist. What drew you to alchemy in particular among the Western esoteric traditions? Ah, uh, this is um, happenstance, actually. But more than that, um, after when I was in grammar school, this is how far back it goes. Uh, I had gotten my adult library card rather early. Uh, I read a lot and was a good reader and kind of plowed through the kids section. So, you know, with some letters and things like this, I got. So after school, I used to go and do my homework there. Right. Proper nerd. Um, <laughs> did my homework and then, you know, had about a half an hour, an hour before I had to get home for dinner. And one of my favorite pastimes then and still is now is sort of wandering at random through the stacks of a library. And then when a title caught my eye, I'd pick it up and look through it. And this was, I was in heaven. Um, when I finally came to, oh, the area, and I, it's, it's interesting because I'm not sure if this was in the science area or if this was in an esoteric area, but it was a very good book on alchemy. Um, it might have been by, there are two covers that are very similar. One is by Titus Burkhart, and I believe it's that one, which is, if you're wanting a very good history, a very good overview of alchemy, uh, this work called Alchemy by Titus Burkhart is quite good. Um, he's part Excellent. of an esoteric tradition, but also of high scholarship in terms of approaching the material. So, so when I came across this book, my interests were, as a child, still are science and art, right? I used to create art, and, but fascinated by science. Here was a book that was like, it didn't fit, if you know what I mean. It's like, it's not science read yeah it is no look it's art well no it's and this fascinated me it annoyed me and i kept going back to it because it annoyed me and then from that point on um i was obsessed you know <laughs> yeah it's, it's uh it's that way i then when i graduated high school i stayed out uh, so I could go work at Weiser's bookstore in New York. Oh, City. wow. Yeah. Wow. So oh, that, so you were, so you're, you're, you're from that area. 
Oh, I'm from New York City. Well, oh, me, me too. Yeah, I'm from actually Mount Vernon, New York. <laughs> yeah, I know Mount Vernon. I yeah, my yeah. uh right on the yeah. border of the Bronx. Exactly. I, I I lived in West Harlem for a while. Anyway, continue. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So as a kid, um, I found out about Weiser's during my library searches and then used to hop the subway and go down and, you know, kind of peruse the book. I got 15, 16 or so. But then when I graduated high school, I figured, no, I need time to read. If I go to college, I'll never have time to read. I'll, all I'll be doing are the studies that I need to do for the degree. And it was like, I need time to read. And that's when I got real deep. And so this is like early 70s, mid 70s. Um, I was working at Weiser's and Frater Albertus's book, um, The Alchemist Handbook, appeared in manuscript at Weiser's. And wow. I was working at Weiser's because they knew you had to have an area of expertise. And my area was alchemy. Um, and so when this came out, they were like, hey, Brian, take a look at this. Have you ever heard of this? And it's like, well, rumor has it. And so um, I was able to see the the galley proofs for it and was like, oh, my God, this is it. Wow. Right. And then they published <sighs> it. And as I was, I started doing more experimentation. And then I realized I needed to go back to school and went for chemistry. So I did a minor, a major in chemistry, minor in physics. But at the same time, I'm doing experimentation in alchemy. I'm also making films, experimental films, because I love the art. So this is, mm. these are the mixes, right? And alchemy as a practice and a, a thing uh, is this beautiful intersection of both practical work, inner work, <clears throat> oh, I don't memory work. I mean, just mm. many, many, many factors come into this, right? How uh, communication strategies, let's say, uh, the use of illuminated manuscripts, illustrated manuscripts that aren't really illustrating. They're more in dialogue with the text or the text mm -hmm. is in dialogue with. So there's a whole other way of reading these things as well. <coughs> so so that that's it in a nutshell, sort of the uh, the overall path, training and obsession. The rest yeah. Is that's 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 fascinating that's a great that's a great origin story especially because uh it's it's so cool that you worked at wiser's um but yeah I, I there's definitely there's definitely this uh i guess archetype among people interested in these subjects i you know just anecdotally or as an aside I, to this day i will without even buying anything i'll go i'll literally just go to a library or a bookstore just to decompress just to walk right, around yeah. and and feel at ease but um so you you have written quite extensively on alchemy actually Some. i i did i did i did well the thing that i feel like you do really well is that you tackle a lot of or at least for me um i included uh one of your works in in a uh a, a video presentation that I did on alchemy and in, in several parts, but I really, I really liked how firm a hold on the basics that you kind of communicate in. There's, there's a lot of insight. So I'm, I'm interested to know um, how your latest book on alchemy, essential practices and making art uh, and alchemy. Um, how does that differ from your previous work? 
on the subject. Um, no pun intended. It is a distillation. Um, it, it <laughs> is. It you, you know. You, 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 I had to. I do, but I did. <laughs> but it, the, the really the title kind of says it all: essential practices and making art as alchemy. And so that really has been um, sort of the focus of my work from a very early period because of my interest in the arts, right? Making film, drawing, zine-type stuff, collage-type work. Um, and all that kind of has parallels in alchemical language. Uh, but one of the stronger things that kept coming up and out was that alchemy is the art of arts. So if you think about that, meditate on that for a bit. In other words, it is the art. It, all its theory, all its flow, all its practice mm. is essentially kind of saying, well, this is how pretty much all creation rolls, whether it's big creation or small creation. It seems to follow the same kind of flow, whatever language we may put to it, right? Ideas of circulation, of, of breakdown, of opening, of these types of ideas that you see in nature. And this is one of the things is that it it it, it attempts a unified field theory, let's put mm -hmm. it this way, both inner and outer. Um and this is how this is what I feel it's its practice at its core has been with vari various practitioners focusing more on one aspect or another. Right. Perhaps mm -hmm. I was really getting into material transmutational, right? Such as Isaac Newton, um, you know, Robert Boyle, that were really, you know, taking the theory and pushing it. And it didn't quite work out, so they changed practice. Right. But the theory works, right? You you break down what we see as compounds into elements, rearrange the elements, and you come up with something different. But the alchemists were doing working at a lo far lower energy level. Let's put it this way. Um, but the ideas are there, and so this is this is what it is. It's a questioning of nature, right? It's not so much that the alchemists of the past had discovered an answer. Um, in my studies, in my work, it's more like they've discovered questions, right? That we try to then, you know, they're cutting edge at that time. You know, and then somehow we push beyond them, but a lot of that cutting edge still hasn't been really explored. And I'm not even speaking materially here, right? Um, there is this aspect of as you work with things exteriorly, we start to have an impact on on our mind, on our dreams, on our the way we understand things. Right? And mm -hmm. This is where practice comes in, because what you practice with, you internalize. This is what the point of this whole book was like to get down absolutely to the essential practices that anybody making something, right? Because that's what alchemy, right? Oh, we're making something. We're taking this thing and we're transmuting it. Um, but it's taking those ideas then and those practices, both inner and outer, and then applying it in a way or talking about it in a way that anybody who makes anything can use that practice as an alchemical practice. And that's what the book breaks down. So there's inner exercise, uh, how to work with dream, et cetera, et cetera. But tied into alchemical principles that have come out of my, so 
sort of 50 years, 60 years of uh, research and work. So, yeah, that sounds great. Um, I, I definitely, you know, as I mentioned a little earlier, I've been studying this stuff for a really long time and it wasn't until I began to dive into um, the theoretical side of of essentially practical alchemy right because spiritual alchemy quote unquote is is sprinkled in in all sorts of uh little works here and there and it's highly obscure and as i've mentioned in podcasts with other alchemists it's kind of um to parse that literature you know that overwhelming amount of highly obscure and and somewhat you know pre-scientific yet still uh it had its own jargon it can be fairly impenetrable, but I think the work that guys like uh, yourself and um, Robert Bartlett, of course, and even Mark Stavish have done to, um, and 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 Phoenix Aurelius. I mean, he's he's been great for a newer age of alchemists trying to sort of bring bring Spagyria in general, that Paracelsian thing, to the fore. But what it's done is it has made this stuff more accessible. And so to go to go back and study now after all this time scratching my head over like you know the basic spiritual alchemical principles to understand the theory has informed everything. I understand her, hermetic philosophy now. I understand magic better now. I understand like I garden. I understand gardening better. So right, it's it, exactly. it's it's really it's it's unbelievable. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's true because you start to see. What they have is a, I wouldn't want to say simple, um, but there's a, there's a coherence to the symbol set. Let's put it this way. Um, and this is like what, what alchemy claims is, is that its processes are universal, mm-hmm. right? It may manifest in different ways. You may use different names for it for different things, but the, the, like alternation, right? Circulation. Uh, mm-hmm. These kinds of concepts are at the core of the practice and theory of alchemy. The idea that there are, that there's substrata to things that after a point are no longer material, right? But yet create a material appearance. I mean, that's new physics. I mean, that's like Bose condensate and particle interactions cr- starts to create these things that when they get together, well, there's no there there really. It just feels solid because of, you know, mag- electro strong electromagnetic fields and things. But really, it's not much there there. But yet here we are, right? It is about a dis- it is about an ascent to the one and the inner sense through a descent through matter, right? Mm-hmm. Using matter, using the material world as that point of departure. And it's very interesting when you start to look at um, oh, a lot of the spiritual literature, because a lot of it does start out either with a death, um, a descent into the underworld, uh, a dream state, things like this, where Dante is perfect, right? I awoke to find myself in a dark wood, and off he goes. And where does he go? Well, descends the rings of hell before coming out the devil's ass and begins his ascent <laughs> i mean this is alchemy. yeah 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 and and it, it's it's true when you look at ceremonial magic the you know uh Iamblichus's theurgy espousing you know no we must oh. start in the material and then Absolutely. and then centuries later you have facino and agrippa 
saying the same thing. Well, they're, you know, be- they're, that's because they're reading. Exactly. The Ficino translated. Ficino exactly. translated the evidence, and then actually, not only did Agrippa have you know uh, recourse to the translated material, but he 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 pulled a lot from Ficino's three books. But it's just a- amazing because it's. Um, when you look from our modern, or I guess maybe I should say postmodern standpoint, uh, um, magical standpoint, you, you kind of it, uh, we're retrofitting a lot of things, and there's a lot of interpolations. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot of our our own abil- in- inability from our sort of entrained perspective lenses to meet these documents on, or really the the authors who wrote them to meet them on their own terms. Right. But if, if you really, really start to learn and, and study this stuff, you see that there is a through line and, and it all boils down to, there's a lot of history. There's a lot of poetry, but for me, like the skeleton of everything here, or maybe I should say the spirit of it all mm-hmm. is, is contained within alchemical theory. Right. And a lot of that is, um, especially the inner work is rooted in Neoplatonism is rooted in that sort of a tradition coming out of the Amplicus and getting mm-hmm. amplified and moderated through the Renaissance Neoplatonists. Like, as you mentioned, Ficino, Agrippa, <laughs> basically everybody who was doing anything then. Michelangelo, yeah. right? I mean, for real. Yeah. Um, I mean, they're reading Ficino. They're working with his ideas. This stuff's entering into the emblem books that there were that then impact the artists and the artists. It all, it all intersects. The thing I'd like uh. to point out with you bringing up Iamblichus is that this has such a hard, this is like, I feel <clears throat> a lot of the roots. And this is where you'll see a parallel with alchemy, with the practice of iconography. Byzantine iconography, Byzantine Christian iconography. This is something I point out in the book and kind of show how uh, mm. a material practice is actually can be used as a spiritual one. And the thing is, both alchemy and iconography have common roots in a spiritual tradition of Neoplatonism, as well as Egyptian material practice and spiritual practice, right? So mm. icons come out or have their roots in the Egyptian mummy uh, tradition, mummy portraits. And you can see this as you trace it through to what's called the Fayum portraits, right? Late Greco-Roman mummy portraits that look like icons because that's the roots of icons. But the material practice within there is the same. Also the spiritual practices. Um, There's a very good writer, Dr. Gregory Shaw, who writes on theurgy. I had him on the podcast, actually. Oh, Fabulous. Hey, folks, if you haven't listened to that podcast (laughs) after this, go listen, because for real, Um, because my area of of research was alchemy. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's an icon studio here in New York City that I started to go to because I was my research through pigments about pigments led me there. This is at an Orthodox cathedral. This is serious iconography. Right. So you're down in the basement, you're doing the icons and there are like at lunchtime, there's a discussion over the theory, theology, philosophy, etc. And the more I was hearing, it's like, my God, this is this is alchemical theory. And then I started noticing and I was reading, I have read Iamblichus, have read the Neoplatonists, but I never really read or studied Christian Orthodox theology or philosophy. 
And then I'm hearing this and it's like, wait a minute, this sounds awfully familiar. Uh, and then I found an article that uh, Dr. Shaw had written on Iamblichus and the whole, um, you know, celestial hierarchy and the word mm -hmm. hierarchy, how this was edited out and called work of what have you. But real, and then he starts to underscore really well the roots of Iamblichus, right? So yeah. my point is, if you really want to study Neoplatonic practice, is take a good look at the practices within. Uh, the Orthodox Church, the use of image, incense, chant, all these things will start to enliven an understanding, I believe. Anyhow, yeah. go check out his podcast. <laughs> That's I mean, it's fascinating, too, because I've on, on the channel I've I've done I'm, I'm a I grew up Roman Catholic, but my father, his side is Orthodox. But needless to say, there was a lot of Christian ritual, highly ritualistic, sure, sure. right? It's, we're not we're not Protestant. So mm -hmm. um, there's a lot mm -hmm. of high ritual and crazy stuff going on. Uh, but so my, a lot of the work that I've done, or at least some of it in, in terms of lectures has been um, tr attempting to trace the roots, the Neoplatonic roots of, um, of Christianity, because the, the earliest church fathers, Origen, Tertullian, Clement of yeah. Alexandria, they were all Neoplatonists. They were all like, right neoplatonists uh that then kind of i don't want to say shoehorned because i i think that they they had found a reality they had well, found right. the, it's the organic growth and this is how it changes and it's a this is what you see when you do when you study alchemy because you can't just study the one text or that one author you have to go deep into their context where did they come out of right what what mm -hmm. river are they swimming in um yeah and you really yeah, and I, have to understand because that is i mean that's the closest you can come to try to as you were saying earlier and i totally agree of like taking the work on the on the on the worker's own terms right mm -hmm. yeah we may have different insights later but i mean it's almost like we have to get out of the way and almost believe them when they say what they're saying do you know yeah. what I'm saying? It's not yeah, like no. they mean something else. No, no, no. They actually just mean what they say. Just leave it be and and suspend your your need to project your judgment over it. But but it, it's because exactly. it, it will it will inform you. I mean, it's amazing too now because here's the thing: I hadn't yet really come to this this realization. Like you're saying, you're kind of informing me here, which is this weird missing link that is so perfect mm -hmm. about the idea of, of Neoplatonic traditions really influencing that spiritual alchemy. Because the, the interesting thing to me was even back then you had Tertullian, the Neoplatonist, he was, he was the one who mm -hmm. found, founded the doctrine of the Trinity, which he said, uh, um, tria personae una substantia, three persons, one substance. That's the tria prima right there. You know, right, but, right. Basically, that's like mind blowing. Right, right. <laughs> so one thing that I wanted to uh, talk about a little bit because I I had stumbled upon it in my research, and I'm sure that other people will will be interested. So, um, Capri Press. That's that's yeah. your independent publishing vehicle. Yeah, that's me. That's where I kind of put out my madness. Okay. I, I don't, I don't, it's like, I'm like the crazy guy on the corner with the table with pamphlets. <laughs> <laughs> so I, it, when, I mean, word. I see the, I mean, you have a, you, you have a quite a bit of, of stuff up there. Um, yeah. You, you know what? Stop me. <laughs> what, good. 
Good man, right on. Um, true New Yorker. Uh, <laughs> yeah, when try did that... me, try me, try to stop me. <laughs> when did that get started? You. I'm sorry. When did uh, when did all that get started? Um, Has that been a thing f- for a long time it's, now? It's or kind of been bubbling in the back, and then 2014, it became like a real thing. Um, and the reason it became a real thing was I had just put together, produced um, this very fancy high-end uh, emerald tablet. Um, it's a, a core. If you go to the website keprepress.com, you go all the way to the bottom. Mm-hmm. There'll be some. There'll be some pictures there. Um, it's I, it to me. It's a. I think it's it's beautiful. Uh, it is an accordion. It's a, a concertina accordion fold. Um, leather-bound, gold-stamped emblems of Islamic nature and a Carolingian nature. Wow. Uh, and what I did was I took um, the two earliest translations. As a the earliest translate, the earliest version is an Arabic version of the Emerald Tablet, and there happens to be a Latin translation very early on of that same Arabic. So I'd studied Latin, I've studied Arabic and was working with tutors. So I translated both of those. So they kind of mirror each other on the page with their English translations. And on the other side is a six page interpretation or commentary. And because it's an accordion thing, right, it just keeps on going in a circle, right? As you go to the back, it opens up to the next side. And so that was, that was, that was the thing that um, it was now out. Um, it's a rather high-end piece. I did a leather edition of 29 and um, a silk edition of 71. Right? Wow. The leather is just about... The Getty, Spe- Getty Museum Special Collections Library bought one. National wow. Institute of Health, the National Library has... Yeah, it's, it's, I'm really pleased with it. Uh, Amazing. The setting in the Arabic is phenomenal. Uh, it's a very unique can't say that it's a unique um uh, typesetting machine they use uh which which nothing like it it's more calligraphic anyhow so that that's what started i needed a place to kind of promote that and put that out as well as then the other work i was doing with zines um and so anytime i make something do something on it pops you know so folks, great check it out there you go um, absolutely yeah. Uh, so I also like to say too, just you know, for those overseas and around, uh, printed matter ink. Uh, this is a uh, artist. Uh, it's a huge thing. If you're not familiar with it and you're interested in zines and ephemera, it's called printed matter. Uh, they distribute my work, mm-hmm. uh, so that's another place to go look. If you know, mailing and shipping from the U.S. is a little rough. Uh, go to the website. I have some other sites there where you could purchase stuff from if you if you so desire. With 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 the with the Emerald Tablet, did you do I have it correct? Did you did you personally do a a translation of the Emerald Tablet at some yeah, point? I did. I translated from the Arabic and I translated from the Latin. So did was that was that a project that you felt was was like called towards of necessity as as an alchemist yes, to help I, with your work or yeah yes and it was also a way for me to exercise the languages I was studying anytime I study a language I try to find something in something I'm really interested in so you have that motivation and um and when I had first found the 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 early Arabic version 
this is from around the eighth century and it's in the back of a work called the secrets of nature uh attributed to apollonius um hmm. and so when i found that i was studying arabic there was some phrases and words in there that kind of stuck out that seemed very different than some of the phrases i was used to hearing and that phrase is the key one is as most folks are probably familiar with it as above so below as below so above so above mm -hmm. um in the arabic translation what it says is the above comes from the below and the below comes from the above right and mm -hmm. the latin translation of that is the same the above comes from the below and the below comes from the above so what you have in one case is this idea of simile right that this is like this right and that there's a connection there and there's a lot of neoplatonic theory that this resonates with and is part of right so that translation is not that it's wrong okay however the earliest translation i find to be extraordinarily interesting because what it says is the above comes from the below and the below comes from the above and what that's indicating is this incessant circulation, this incessant creation, destruction, recreation that goes on. And what was interesting, as I was working on the translation of this, I give, or at the time was giving practical workshops on things, and a lot of it is, or was trying to develop really simple equipment that people could just go put together in a hardware store or a kitchen supply store so i came up with this thing with a martini glass and a mason jar i get into that with the essential in the in the new book it's described there um and so i was working with this and this idea of circulation right where something evaporates condenses and drops back in on itself and this is a way to if you have stuff involved it activates it let's just put it this way so it's circulation evaporates condensation and it falls all right so i'm working on the translation i'm working on trying to develop this very simple system i put alcohol in it i put ice in the martini glass the thing sitting in there and i turn on a low heat and i go back to the translation and i'm working on it i come back to check every once in a while and i notice underneath the highest point of it is like this little cloud forming and then it started, it was really cool. I, I've been trying to photograph this, but the, I can't get the lighting right. Um, little drops started falling, right? And I'm thinking, wow. First thought I had is like, is there a leak, right? Second thought was Big Rock Candy Mountain, you know, you lake of, you know, whiskey and you can kind of paddle all around it. Um, that was the second thought. The third thought was, oh, it's coming, that must be coming from below. And I'm like, oh you mean the above is coming from below and this is what i'm working on in the translation and i'm like well this is one of the key instruments in early alchemy is the circulation device so this is this reinforced that interpretation right it also reinforced through the rest of the hermetic literature which talks about the cyclic nature of creation destruction and ongoingness it's not to say the previous one is wrong it's like who knows which one has precedent or anything else but mm. when you come across disparate interpretations one may be right one may be wrong um but again it's like what you were saying to leave something open right and to consider the both because each one has something to say right mm. you may ultimately you know 
philologically or textually prove, you know, we found the original, you know, but until then, it's, it's a way of um, studying and working with the text. Yeah, I mean, I find that one of the main stumbling blocks in general is um, just it's changing now because there's a, there's kind of this explosion and erudition on, on occult topics, yes. you know, they're taking it more seriously in academia at the moment. But for a while it was like one guy translated everything like the 16 or, or like 17 or 1800s. And we were just kind of going off of that, that translation, which was incomplete and, and kind of archaic by our own standards. Another great example of that is, is the, uh, you know, as we were saying before is uh, Agrippa's stuff. Um, recently taught a class on that and i was using Purdue's translation i was using the jf translation and right. looking at the the original latin and some words in the jf translation are completely wrong they're not translated to any degree of accuracy well, so. see, this is this is where it gets frustrating now doesn't it yeah <laughs> except then you know this is what the elizabethan or the english uh uh were working with right and then they go that's why it didn't work. <laughs> he said, this word, not that word. Yeah. Yep. I'm curious. Uh, it's something actually that I'm curious every time I talk to a, a, a practical or operative alchemist. Um, do you practice any kind of spiritual application? I guess maybe uh, ceremonially in your practice, or is that, uh, is that something no, that I you don't do? Did? It's not, I don't do any ceremonial, what have you. No, I it's not that I consider myself an operative alchemist or what have you. It's, um, no, I would actually say it's the other way around. I would say that it's like I am mostly focused on inner work, but the outer work is part of that inner work. It's like doing martial arts as an inner process, but you still got to go get punched in the face once in a while, right? Otherwise, how are you know you're blocking well? <laughs> you know, yeah. True. Badass. Boom. Boom. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm very mindful in my badassedness. Um, <laughs> no, but seriously. And this is the thing I find with um, iconography, because it speaks of this material practice. As you are creating the layers, this is a representation, a mirror, right? With icons, um, icons are both a mirror and a window when you are creating one, when you are writing one, because that's what you are doing. You are writing with images, right? And what you are writing with images is, if you're a practitioner, you are writing the images of your soul, right? And you're looking through that frame, that's the painting, into the ideal of what you're wanting to achieve. So if you are looking through this window at an icon, the tracing of an icon of, of St. Michael, the archangel, these are the aspects that are going to be reflected in the icon of your own soul. So as you're working on it, how the lights are coming through, how they're being obscured, how stiff the wings are, how the gold is adhering to the clay, are all statements about where you are in your spiritual evolution and might suggest some practices that are needed through the guidance of your well, spiritual teacher, guide, status in the uh, Orthodox tradition, your spiritual friend who will go, ah, the gold's not adhering to the clay. Hmm. What do you think that means if breath <laughs> is soul and then walks away, right? So this is, 
But this is the roots of alchemical practice. This is the material where you are creating something. But then the second thing that happens is where this work on the outside starts to appear. And the first place anything you do a lot of starts to show up in your dreams. And this mm. is where the ascent begins. This is where the inner practice can begin. So whatever you're doing in the lab or the practice, if it starts showing up in your dreams, start doing it in your dreams. Mm. If you can awaken to that in your dreams, even more better, right? Really practice it then and then see where that leads. And this is the thing with alchemical dream work. There are two directions. One is where you're working on a problem. And this you will find in early Greco-Roman alchemical literature, right? Saying these things, Zosimo says, saying these things, I went to sleep. And then he has this vision of yes. out of the lab. This is that thing, saying these things, I went to sleep. That's the inner, that's the inner teaching right there, right? Mm -hmm. If you want to know how to do dream work, that's it. Saying these things, I went to sleep. So saying these things, he went to sleep. And then he came out with an answer and he brought it into the day world to work. Another alchemical dream is when something happens within the dream world that goes, don't go that way, come with me. Mm -hmm. And now you're on your way. So it's only a dream, off you go. Um, but this is this is where it starts to suggest itself. And this is where you will come up with some insights that you perhaps will come to eventually in the day world, but happens a lot faster in the night world. Um, and so this is how I see the alchemical practice. For me, making a zine has that same materiality, has that same mind visualization process of bringing. As a matter of fact, I did a zine called the Mystic Magic Talismanic Alchemical Practice of Zine Making. <laughs> where That's I break great. down that whole process by analyzing how I make a zine. So if you're interested, <laughs> um, but that's it. You could take any process, any creative process and use this for the inner work. Mm. Right. And that's what the book yeah. on alchemy is about. That's great. I mean, I'm, uh, at, at that, at that point, I mean, I guess after enough time and enough practice, the alchemist becomes like this just living, walking process of conscious alchemy, you know, like, I guess that's the ideal of the, of, of, of the magician too, you know, to a Everything certain degree. Is to become yeah. a competent human being, kind to others. Imagine that. Imagine, imagine <laughs> that. <laughs> no, for real. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, um. I, so what I've seen by, I don't know how, how tuned in you are to social media. Um, and not at all. So you'll great. Have to clue that's, me in. Well, that's what I was going to say. I was like, typically people who are not clued in at all are, are, are way better off. But what I've been seeing as a consequence of, of we need doing people like you, we need folks on the front lines, <laughs> the, the canaries in the cage. We thank you for your service. <laughs> Or yeah. the rest of us. It's, I don't know what the I don't know what the hell happened because I I mean when I first moved down here to Asheville I, I had a flip phone I didn't have any social media <laughs> and uh, and here I am I'm in the trenches I'm in the cage as you say but what I've noticed is that 
there there seems to be this explosion of interest in yes. in in practical alchemy and and you see it everywhere there are these little boutique alchemical sort of um artisans and there's a lot of content uh visual content video content geared towards uh, you know uh, the alchemical experiments of who whomever um so i was i was wondering you know that and the explosion of interest in in occultism astrology is a big one now uh what are your thoughts on on some of that stuff and and how do you think do you think it's possible to innovate at any point in in these traditions oh yeah i think it's absolutely necessary that one innovates otherwise you're just i don't know you're you're playing dress up and uh whatever i mean that's cosplay and nothing wrong with that you got to start someplace and do so we all do but that's the thing it's about bringing those outer practices inward i mean even with the ceremonial magic if you start rehearsing this mentally you will find that the results start to come before you even step into the ring so to speak um right i mean this is this is where you start to see it where you become you begin to internalize it that said you know i mean this explosion of interest is good i mean the more the more the the more the better um what i would say though is reality testing and because when you start getting a whole lot more you start getting a whole lot more bullshit right and that's fine because well bullshit's a good fertilizer <laughs> this is where you need to be it's true it's where you need to to be discerning and to have a discretion right it's like you know i mean <laughs> this is my mom who benefits Quibono. Quibono. Yeah. <laughs> right? Hey, who's, 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 who's... Yeah. Right? That's like first question. Yeah. And and it's not a cynical one. It's like, why are you doing? And this is what I say about anybody's own practice is a self re and I mentioned this in the book as well, is to constantly ask yourself, why are you doing this? Right? Is it for ego stroke? Yes. You want to get back at your third grade teacher valid um do you, want to, <laughs> um you know what i'm saying yeah i do i know exactly what you're saying as as a, a you know a, a teacher in in the golden dawn tradition i i'm that's something that I, I i a lot of the students and the members of the outer order are very much to their chagrin i'm constantly prodding them with that question and, and watching them squirm and uh you know i think it's to check in constantly with your why i think yeah. I don't I don't think it actually changes. I think it just reveals itself to you. Layers of mm -hmm. dross just kind of peel back and you are so, it's that, suddenly yeah. 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 I agree. But yeah, to your point, it's it's one of the most important things that we can do and the most prerequisite mm -hmm. is is to know know ourselves really truly. But this openness to curiosity of like yes any time of great stress in the world people go searching for things and that's the that's the simple explanation of why and fine what's wrong with that um and so if you do start questioning and you do start questioning and i'm not even saying one religion over another one philosophy one magical practice whatever but just you know what is this who are you and what are you doing here right <laughs> you know what I right mean? and what are your plans <laughs> <laughs> Are you a force for good? <laughs> um, you know, it's like just what gives. And, you yeah. know, it truly, it, an intellectual curiosity is fine. 
power seeking can be fine. It's just that you want to have a little bit of a reality check there. And you mm -hmm. also want to be going, okay, who's benefiting? And the, the more those numbers can increase, the more karmically secure you will be because you will get slapped back. Hmm. Right? Yes, good, excellent point there. Um, <laughs> I uh, I wanted to just ask. Um, I know we're getting to the end of our time here, but I wanted to I wanted to mention that you have a, a uh, I guess sort of a, a project as well as a book called Alchemy: The Poetry of Matter. Oh right, yes the the book is out. Alchemy, the poetry yeah. of matter. You can mm -hmm. get that online, Amazon, but you can also directly order through me. It's a paperback as well as a hardcover. Mm -hmm. um, it's an alchemical book. This is my own. This is something that Kepri Press did, that meaning I did. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, yeah, so that's that's the synopsis of like the work as an alchemical book. What I talk about in there is more of it's a little deeper, a little bit more at play, if you understand what I mean. Mm -hmm. uh, the on alchemy, the essential practices, pretty much takes a lot in there and just really brings it down very simply, clearly. I do that in the uh, poetry of matter as well, too, but it, it has a lot heavier alchemical language involved. Ah, uh, but okay. yeah, go check it out. I mean, you can get it through Kepri Press or uh, Amazon or other places. The whole project that I call the poetry of matter is right. just that, is this idea of an investigation into, into what is this thing called the world and what is this thing called change and transmutation. Uh, poetry uh, kind of comes out of the idea of there's a dialogue uh, in the symposium uh, of Plato and mm. uh, Socrates is quoting his teacher Diotima uh, she's either a magician, philosopher, yes, all of those. And um, what she says is that someone, I'm paraphrasing here, but someone who creates something out of nothing, right, is a poet. And mm -hmm. it, the word poesis, it means a composition. Right? And the Greek words for alchemy or transmutation involve that word. So it's either gold composition or silver composition. So it's this idea of composing with elements. And so that was an idea that I started diving into and wanted to explore, this idea within the arts of composition and then how that reflects throughout the material world, whether we're playing with it as an artist or we're digging into it as a scientist. Hmm. Great. So check it out. It's yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> I... I also, um... also, it has the translations of the Emerald Tablet uh, that I did in the big fancy one, as well as three others. Uh, there's a shorter Arabic uh, version by Jabir ibn Hayyan, uh, and there's two other Latin ones that I've translated as well. So you have a chance to check my work. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Which uh, obviously I highly recommend. I have um, a canned question that everybody gets, okay. but I, I feel like we've covered. We we've covered. I usually ask people. Um, I, I ask guests if they could recommend three books for anyone, you know, us occultists and esoteric, we just love books. Um, so, but, oh, yeah. uh, but, but we, we've covered uh, a lot of, of your books, but I'm, I'm wondering if you have any other works that you or, or just in general, 
um, references that you find highly valuable for the serious, you know, somebody who seriously wants to start I mean, looking into me, this stuff? It is really the three books of life by Ficino. Mm. That would be anyone really wanting to study alchemy, I think really needs to read this work. Because what it speaks of is it's not giving you recipes. It's not giving you processes. But what it's giving you is what you do with the results of those recipes, how you mm. integrate these things into your life. So, for instance, he will right? his whole idea of it is to extend is to make you healthy, not depressed as you age so that you can continue with your spiritual work. Right. So that's one book. Um, the other one I would say would be. This is hard. You know, yeah, it's a spot it's, question. Uh, I give it to everyone. <laughs> yeah, if you gave it to me at the beginning, I could like kind of think about it. Um, I would, it's something around the amblicus, I would say. But okay. I'm wondering if it's like, you know, maybe, uh, maybe Shaw's book on theurgy, I would highly recommend just simply because that is, that will give you a really good route into everything I was just talking about, how that intersects with Orthodox Christianity. Mm. Um, so that one. Oh, I got a third. Um, there is a work, and the name is escaping me right now, but it's by Mary Carruthers, and it's on memory. And it has to do with the books of the arts of memory. Uh, it's probably her second book. The first one is a really detailed examination of all the, the literature on the Ars Memoria from 400 to the 1400. Great mm -hmm. and detailed. Highly recommended if you're into it. Her second book is a more of a condensed and overview of it. I highly recommend this because what it deals with is the strategies of reading, of memorization, and the why. Right? Mm -hmm. Forget about memorization as data retrieval. Right. This is not what the memory work is about. It is not why you memorize pages and pages of scriptures so that you can. It is so you can call it up, but it's not as data. Right. When you've ingested these works, they live with you. There was a mm. monk, John Cassian, from around the third, fourth century that went around interviewing monks saying, what's your practice? And they were saying it's like memorize scripture. Because what happens is you'll always have it with you to contemplate. And there are always those passages that we never understand. And then sometime when you're not really ready for it, you're doing something else. God reveals it. Sometimes even in your sleep. Right. So this is what this book gets through. And you'll start to recognize practices there that as you read books, or see copies of manuscripts, and you see the images on the side, you'll start to understand what their function was for, right? So that would be the third one. I think that work in and of itself will open up a lot of people's practice. I'm working on the next zine right now on um, alchemy, the art of memory, and the architecture of initiation. Um, I'm almost through with it. I'm hoping to have it out by October. So this gets into the whole memory work and history in a 30-page, 32-page zine. So you and that one. That's the fourth one I recommend. Yeah. Great. I mean, that was my next question. My last question for you was, hey, do you have anything else that you're working on right now that you might want to um, you know, uh mention? Yes, I do. 
I do. I have something that's actually quite large that's about to get ready. And I've been saying this for the last three years, but this one really is uh, because I've cleared out a lot of the other projects. It's an audio piece. It's a sound piece. Um, I'm referring to as the hint to Hikate. Um, I've done several zines that have been building up to this on music and alchemy, on the animation of statues, things like this. If anybody's interested, join the mailing list. Probably mm. in about a month, I'm going to send out a mailing uh, that's just going to specify this audio thing. And those who are interested, I'll be following up with that. So that's one thing that's I've been working on it for about two years now. I've only started recording the audio bits about three months ago. So it's off to a slow start, but it is moving. Uh, the other one is um, the, the rest of the series of zines. So the next one is on memory, one on healing, you know, it's that myth, et cetera, et cetera. And um, yeah, and then I have a bunch of others. Yeah, there's always, I have a handful of smaller, smaller mm -hmm. kind of works in the work. So sign up to the mailing list. I don't annoy people. I try not to. I only announce when a new work is coming out or if mm -hmm. I give talks. And uh, this fall, I'm going to be starting um, starting a round of talks again, sort of oh, seminars. Wow. Like, yeah, um, one is on the Splendor Solace, this manuscript. I do yeah. a four part talk on that. I do a four part on alchemy and myth, uh, things like this. I do it on color symbolism and alchemy. Uh, so if you join the list, you'll get a announcement every so often, and it's at keprepress.com. But you'll post this stuff up, right? I will. And I'm actually going to join your mailing list because yeah, I, yeah. I, I I am still up in New York occasionally to see family. I was just up there recently and I, I would love to be able to plan a trip up to attend one of your talks because I really, truly, I feel like you're just a font of insight. Well, hey, you come on up, just drop me a line. We'll meet up. Awesome. Great. I, I really appreciate you giving me a little sliver of your day and, and being yeah, willing to been great. Love it. Yeah, me too, man. Um, so thank you so much for being on the pod. Oh, and and I, if you haven't, may I just, have you spoken to uh, Mar uh, seven Marlene? Brandon? I actually, actually, yes. Oh, uh, great. Good. Cause I was going to say, she's somebody else that's working in the same vein of art and alchemy. She's great. All right. So thank you so much. And uh, I hope to see you again soon. I hope so too. Maybe in the real world. <laughs>